All right, love seeing all the, the kids here at Hope. And uh, we bless them as they go to their classrooms and learn about Jesus. We're excited here to study God's Word, kicking off a new series today. Uh, so if you have your Bible, would you open it up to Matthew chapter 4? Or your Bible app, that works too. Um, Matthew chapter 4, we'll kick it off with a story today. About 12 years ago, my wife Angie and I found ourselves uh, on an island in the Caribbean celebrating our anniversary. And one of the things on my to-do list for our trip was definitely to spend some time hanging out on the beach. But I wanted to get out on, a, I wanted to get out on the sea. You know, find a boat, get out on the water so we could truly experience some of the beauty of the Caribbean. So did a little bit of research and I found that we had a couple of options. There was the standard boat tour or there was a pirate adventure. Guess which one I chose? Pirate adventure. It would be a day full of pirates, sword fights, cannon blasts, walking the plank, and as the brochure said, all on a real life pirate ship. But it got even better than that. The name of the pirate ship was the Brig Unicorn. And as you can see from the picture, it's a ship that, <laughs> no picture, it's a ship that all of us have seen before. There we go. Somebody, there it is. There it is. The Brig Unicorn. It's one of the main pirate ships used in the movies Pirates of the Caribbean. It was the Henrietta in Curse of the Black Pearl, the Terrasaw in Dead Man's Chest, and At World's End, Johnny Depp filmed many of his scenes in Pirates of the Caribbean as Jack Sparrow, Captain Jack, on board this ship. And as we're sailing the seas, I mean, it was blowing my mind. I was, I was walking where Captain Jack Sparrow had walked. We're in a series today called Summer by the Sea. We're going to go on an adventure together uh, to the Sea of Galilee, for it's the single location where the majority of the ministry of Jesus occurred. And throughout this series, we'll have an opportunity together to walk where Jesus walked. Now, I want to invite you to come to a small fishing village in Capernaum where Jesus calls his first disciples, or go out with us on the lake where Jesus calmed the storm and Peter walked on the water. Or, or in the hills which surrounded the lake where Jesus would often go and pray. It was in these hills where Jesus gave his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mountain, where one occasion Jesus fed 5,000. Our journey begins in the town of Capernaum. And you will find, as you can see in the picture, the ruins of this ancient fishing village on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. And this town has a claim that no other town in the world has. It, it, this town calls itself the town of Jesus because it's at this town that Jesus made his home. It, it became the epicenter of Jesus' ministry that would ultimately bring transformation to the entire world. Now, we learn about this in Matthew 4.12. Now, very interestingly, Matthew, who became a disciple of Jesus, was actually from this town, from the town of Capernaum, as was some other disciples that we'll meet later on. But Matthew served as a tax collector here. And in Matthew's gospel, hope you're there, Matthew chapter 4, Matthew recounts how Jesus 
left Nazareth and then moved to Capernaum. But Matthew also mentions another reason we find Jesus here in Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee, and it's fulfilled prophecy. Matthew looks all the way back to, of all books, the book of Isaiah. And as we've said so many times throughout this past year, Isaiah predicts it. And then 700 years later, Jesus fulfills it. He truly is the Son of God. And over and over again, Jesus would would fulfill so many prophecies. But look at Matthew 4.12. Here, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He first went to Nazareth, and there, he left there and moved to Capernaum. That's that fishing village. Beside the Sea of Galilee, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, Now check it out. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah. And he's quoting here from Isaiah chapter 9. In the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. And just as Isaiah predicted Jesus would shine his light from this region of the Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias or the Lake of Gennesaret, is 60 miles north of Jerusalem. The lake itself is only, for, uh, is only eight miles at its widest point. And just 12 miles north to south. It's not a huge lake. And, and people who visit, and I hope someday I can, will often be surprised that, that on a clear day, from, from where you stand, you can almost see all the shores around you. And I can just imagine Jesus and the disciples looking across to the other side. Or, you know, it, it really is this, this, this community here around the Sea of Galilee. But then notice the cross section. So first of all, on the, the map, you see Capernaum on the northwest shore and the Sea of Galilee. But then look at the cross section. The Sea of Galilee holds the distinction of being the lowest freshwater lake on the planet. It sits at 700 feet below sea level. Isn't that crazy? And then you have it surrounded by these rising hills of Galilee, which reach about 1,400 feet above the sea level. And then uh, the Golan Heights, also called the Decapolis in Jesus' day, hit about 2,300 feet above sea level. But even though you have all these, these steep hills surrounding this sea during the life of Jesus, you have about uh, 15,000 people who called this, this sea home in uh, nine different cities and 16 different harbors. There was a vibrant fishing industry that existed here. And if you look at this next picture, the Sea of Galilee remains to this day a place of alluring beauty. An ancient historian named Josephus called it the ambition of nature. And isn't it amazing that when the Son of God came to earth and, and he, he looked for a home, he would choose such a scenic location with breathtaking hills and shimmering water to be the backdrop of his life and ministry. 
It's in and around this very Sea of Galilee where Jesus performs most of his 33 miracles and he issues the majority of his teaching both to his disciples and to the multitudes who followed him. Now this time of year, many of us go down to shore. And I want to invite you in this series to go down to another shore with me. The Sea of Galilee. In the summer by the sea. So we start in that small fishing village of Capernaum. It's here Jesus calls his first disciples. And I ask you today, do you know what it means to be a disciple? Could you define a disciple? It's a really important question, isn't it? What is a disciple of Jesus? Did you guys know we look at the next slide. The word Christian only shows up three times in the, word bi the Bible, but the word disciple shows up 269 times. Isn't that amazing? A lot of people today call themselves Christians. It just means little Christ. Would the world see Jesus inside of us? But Jesus doesn't call us to be Christians. He calls us to be disciples. In Acts 11.26, it actually tells us, in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. How incredible is that? Long before believers in Jesus got this name Christian, it says they were first called disciples. And if someone calls you a Christian, hey, praise God, that's awesome. We want to be Christians. But we're not called to be Christians. We're called to be disciples actual disciples of Jesus Christ. So the question today is, what is a disciple? What does that mean? Could you define it? By the end of the message today, I hope you'll have a real simple, hey, I'm a preacher, three-point definition of a disciple of Jesus Christ. It can help us truly understand what it means. So uh, let's look at this passage, and we'll read it together. Matthew 4, 18 through 20. The NIV. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. What an amazing vignette. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this community. Thank you that we get to be here today to study your word on a beautiful summer day. And uh, I pray that as we, as we look at this message today, that we would be challenged to not only be a Christian, but to make that journey of saying yes to following Jesus Christ. But we can't do that on our own. We need the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit. Work in my heart, work in our hearts this morning as we come to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, looking at what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Number one, discipleship is a call to follow Jesus. Do you see that in our passage? Discipleship is a call to follow Jesus, and what an awesome call it is. Matthew tells us that one day Jesus is walking on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, he begins to call his disciples. First, you have Peter and Andrew, and then James and John. 
Uh, these four were fishing in the Sea of Galilee. So they were fishermen by trade. And we could just stop here and make a little observation that when Jesus wants to change the world, he doesn't call the holiest, he doesn't call the smartest, he doesn't call the most influential or the most famous. He actually looks for people just like you and me. And, you know, on this ordinary day, we've got some ordinary fishermen doing their ordinary jobs. We've got Peter and Andrew casting their net into the sea, just like they'd done a thousand times. We've got James and John in their boats preparing their nets, just like they did every other day. You know, as they say on AGT, two minutes can change your life. And in a moment, everything would change for these disciples. Because Jesus walks by. And I'm guessing they know a little bit about who this Jesus is. Because in verse 19, it tells us that Jesus calls three words to them. Come, follow me. And an amazing thing happens. And they get up. And they leave everything behind. Their nets, their boats, and they follow Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but when I read a story like this, it kind of strikes me how irresistible the call of Jesus Christ is and the power of his word in the hearts of those who hear. Now, for these fishermen on that day, right, this was the opportunity of a lifetime to follow Jesus Christ. There's nothing better, nothing greater, nothing more important in that moment. It was the adventure they had been looking for. To follow Jesus Christ. Can you see it? Jesus is awesome. As we said so many times at VBS, awesome God. And I want you to know, Jesus hasn't changed. And His call has not changed. Discipleship, to, to this day is a call to follow Jesus Christ. And many of us here, we're like those first disciples, we're casting our nets, you know, seeing what comes in, we're going to work, paying our bills, raising kids, changing diapers, whatever it is. But you do that long enough, you start to find yourself in that routine. Maybe you settle for mediocrity or you get stuck in a rut. But deep down inside, we know God created us for something more than that. And the greatest opportunity of our lives comes in the call of Jesus Christ. Now, because Jesus calls them in our story at work, it can feel like Jesus is, is, is actually calling them out of their fishing work and into full-time ministry And there is some truth to that, but that's not the most important thing going on here. This call is not a call necessarily to leave our work, but it's a call to put Jesus Christ at the very center of our lives and to trust in Him where we say, Jesus, wherever you lead, I'm going to follow you. And so if Jesus calls us, we'll follow Him to our workplace. We'll follow Jesus to boot camp, follow Jesus in the halls of our school or, or as, as parents, as grandparents, in our homes. We're, we must follow Jesus Christ. Wherever he leads, we follow because we trust him. See, Christianity is not just a religion, but it is 
a life of faith where Jesus leads and we follow him. The word disciple just means learner. We're learning Jesus because Jesus is awesome and we're with him and we're listening to his voice. And it's that same call of Christ that led our family to move from Colorado to Pennsylvania. It really is an adventure, guys, this life of faith. Because wherever Jesus leads, we follow. He holds the trump card. So where is Jesus leading you today? Have you answered the call to follow him? So what is a disciple? Number one, a disciple is a call to follow Jesus. He leads, we follow because we trust him. Number two, discipleship is a call to fish for people. I love this. Matthew 4.19. Come, follow me, Jesus said. I'll send you out to fish for people. So disciples do two things. Number one, they follow Jesus. Number two, they fish for people. But I've always asked when I, I look at this passage, fishing for people, is that a good thing? You know, like, kind of sounds mean when you think about it. I, I, I haven't done a lot of fishing in my life, but in my experience, it really never turns out well for the fish. Have you noticed that? Like, fishing's great unless you're the fish, right? <laughs> so what's this all about? Growing up, I had a grandpa who loved to fish, my grandpa Schleiger, and I'll never forget one day we went to this lake and we did some fishing, caught a bunch of fish, and then we went back to my grandparents' house and, you know, I'm a kid and I see him pull out the knife and start gutting the fish. And then, uh, yeah, I, I think like I was traumatized in that moment because uh, he began popping out the eyeballs and, uh, and, and collecting them one by one. Then he put them in a Ziploc bag and handed it to me. And for my entire life, I've been completely disturbed by this moment. Like, who is this man, you know, like is popping out fish eyeballs? Well, I, I was relieved a few years when somebody actually explained to me that fish eyes make great bait. So turns out my grandpa's not a sicko, just a really good fisherman. But I, I just wonder, you know, Jesus says fish for people. Is this what we're supposed to do with our friends, our loved ones, our children? Like, make these cutting comments. You know, someone says, oh, man, it's hot in here. Are you supposed to say, well, it's hot in hell? You know, like, tell people they're sinners. God's going to judge you. Maybe we uh, hook people, come to church, bait them into religion, and so we can... Suck all the fun out of their life. Yeah, that's fishing for men. Praise God. Now, that's not what Jesus means, right? It, everything changed in my perspective when I realized when Jesus is talking about fishing for people, it's not actually fish that are in the water. It's people in the water. And that makes all the difference. I heard a story about a man in Jacksonville, Florida, who uh, thought it might be a good idea to go swimming in the ocean at 10.45 at night. And, uh, you know, I would encourage you to never do that. Number one, it's dark. And number two, like, weird things live in the water. So, um, 
Anyways, that's another story. He goes out swimming, 1045 at night, and the current that night was so strong, it took him right out to sea. And he spent the whole night treading water, floating on his back. No one came to find him until the next day at 1130 in the morning, he finally saw a fisherman who pulled him into his boat and took him safely back to shore. Do you think for the man in the water, the fisherman was good news? You better believe it, right? And to those who are, who are treading water, there's nothing that can bring more joy. There's not a happier sight than a boat or a fisherman or a light shining in the darkness, some ray of hope. See, I want the world to know about Jesus because Jesus is good news. He's salvation, and he saved my life, and he's, he's, he's changing lives. He's connecting us to God in real and tangible and powerful ways. See, the gospel really does save us from sin and, 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 and free us from hell. The gospel really does save broken marriages. It sets people free from addictions. The gospel is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. So my question to you today is, What's your pond? Who do you know who needs to know Jesus Christ? See, every one of us has a pond. Here at Hope, we say it's where we live, where we work, where we play. And it could be a child, a grandchild, a family member, or a neighbor, a co-worker, someone in your club, or whatever it is. Maybe it's someone you don't even know their name. But I'm telling you, God's given you a ministry. He's put you in the lives of people around you for a reason. You're not there by accident. Because there are people who need to know Jesus Christ. And if we would simply reach out and listen to the stories of people around us, we'll hear the worries and the struggles of those who might be treading water or who are maybe living and looking for light in the darkness. And we get to share the hope of Jesus Christ. So who are you praying for? Who are you investing in relationally? Who are you inviting to church? I'm so thankful for those who reached out to me. I'm so thankful for getting invited to church, a youth group, actually, as a teenager, because it changed my life when I met Jesus Christ. And I want to be that person who shares good news with others. So what is a disciple, number one? How do we define it? Disciple follows Jesus. I'm trusting Jesus, so where he leads, I'm following. It's a life of faith. Number two, disciples fish for people. I'm sharing this good news with others. And then number three, discipleship is a call to belong to a family. And this is so beautiful. You guys, church is not just a building that we come to on Sunday morning. Church isn't just a service we watch. Church is a family we belong to. The Bible says God sets the lonely in families. Right? And, and when we come to Christ, we get a spiritual family. How cool is that? We're not alone. We're in this together. Family marks the life of a disciple. Let's go back to our story Matthew 4, 19 and 20. Where do we see this? 
Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. It says that once they left their nets and followed him. And just a couple of observations here. The first thing I notice is that when Jesus calls us to follow him, he calls us as an individual. The call goes out to every one of us, and, and it's a call that each of us individually must respond to. In other words, Peter can't say yes for Andrew. Andrew can't say yes for Peter. Each of us, in our heart, must respond to the call of Jesus Christ. His call goes out, and we respond individually to that call. And that's, that's an important thing. We're, we're talking about uh, doing some baptisms here at the church picnic, and, and many of us have actually were baptized as children. And, and what's amazing about that experience was that, that was actually really amazing for your parents. And it was actually an incredible thing for the people who were there that day. Because what they were saying is that they want you at some point to say yes to Jesus Christ. But what we see in the Bible is that every time someone believes in Jesus, that, that it's actually baptism follows belief, not birth. And so we want to invite you, even if you were baptized as a little infant, when you say yes to Jesus Christ, when you respond to Jesus Christ, the way that disciples of Jesus proclaim that to the world and celebrate that is through baptism. And so if you've never done that before, as a believer in Jesus, after faith in Jesus, I want to invite you to sign up and do that because we are going to have a party and we're going to celebrate that your old life is gone. You've risen up to a new life in Christ. That's the symbolism. It's so powerful. So I want to encourage you to do that. But here's what's so cool about following Jesus Christ. When you make that choice, though you make that choice alone, you're actually never alone. Because when you say yes to Jesus Christ, you get a they. They left their nets and followed him. How cool is that? Made the choice alone, but I'm never alone. I have a family. Christianity is not like tennis. It's not an individual game. It's a team sport like baseball. We're in this together. We're supporting one another, right? We're going for the glory of God, not just on our own, but with a community. Discipleship is a call to belong to a family. I just love that. And I am so grateful for this church family here at Hope. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. Um, here's what I know. If you're here at Hope, if you got something going on in your life, you have people here who will stand with you, who will love you and care for you. We are a caring place where God transforms lives. That's not just on the wall. That's in our hearts. That's in our actions. And there have been times in our family where we've had needs and somebody's shown up with a meal. Anybody else? Somebody says, hey, I'm praying for you. Got people encouraging me in my small group. So whether that's connecting with the small group or getting involved in a ministry team or just doing life together, you have a family. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, right? don't neglect that holy habit of meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another and all the more as you see that day drawing near. Right? We need each other, especially in these days, to do life together. So this is the call to discipleship. 
We don't do it alone. We belong to a family. So as we close, let's uh, summarize what we've learned today. First of all, um, I think this is so key. Discipleship is a life of faith where Jesus leads and we follow. And through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he saves us, he changes our life. Our sins are forgiven, we receive eternal life, which is just a new life with God that starts today and lasts forever. And if you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, we're going to pray. Let's do that today. Right? Two minutes can change your life. Jesus is calling out, come, follow me. Our response is ours to make this morning. Let's make that decision. Second, um, summary truth. Um, another key one. Discipleship is about building three key relationships. First with God, let's follow. Then with those who are far from God, fish. And finally with God's people, just family. And isn't that what Jesus did? Right? When you look at the relationships that Jesus built, first of all, love God. Right? He had this community of disciples. He said, new command I give you, love one another. And then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And he sent us with a commission. Thank you, Drew. You'll receive power and you'll be my witnesses. Right? This is the life of a disciple. It's the Christian life. Disciple means learner of Jesus. We're learning from Jesus. These three great loves. And here at Hope, we just make it simple and we call it up, in, and out. But if you want to know what is a disciple, how do you define it? Disciples follow. Disciples fish. Disciples belong to a family. Just up, in, and out. I love that. So that's how we define a, the disciple of Jesus. Why we put the logo in the middle. Not because hope is at the center. Because at the center of those circles is a life changed by Jesus Christ. And the call goes out to you. And Jesus is saying, follow me. Those who said yes left everything behind. And they followed Jesus together. We want to do that today. And we want to do it boldly. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just, man, we're amazed by Jesus. The person of Jesus Christ. And how he comes into our life with a word. Follow, follow me. And he invites us into an adventure that could truly change our life forever. I certainly require faith and trust at a new level. You've not called us to religion, but you've called us to a living relationship with the God of the universe, the God of the ages. And today, we say yes to Jesus Christ. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. That's our prayer. That's our cry this morning. You're awesome. You're an awesome God. And we are so privileged and blessed to just come and be loved by you. And would we trust you every moment of our lives? Would you strengthen us, God? Would you use us for your purposes in this world of, of helping others find the joy of knowing Jesus and God, would we be that loving, caring family that you've called us to be? We say yes to all that you are and all that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.